Well, hey there, writer. Welcome to the Resilient Writers Radio Show. I'm your host, Rhonda Douglas, and this is the podcast for writers who want to create and sustain a writing life they love. Because, let's face it, the writing life has its ups and downs, and we want to not just write, but also to be able to enjoy the process so that we'll spend more time with our butt in chair getting those words on the page. This podcast is for writers who love books and everything that goes into the making of them. For writers who want to learn and grow in their craft and improve their writing skills. Writers who want to finish their books and get them out into the world so their ideal readers can enjoy them. Writers who want to spend more time in that flow state. Writers who want to connect with other writers to celebrate and be in community in this crazy roller coaster ride we call the writing life. We are resilient writers. We're writing for the rest of our lives and we're having a good time doing it. So, welcome, writer. I'm so glad you're here. Let's jump right into today's show. Well, hey there, writer. Welcome back to another episode of the Resilient Writers Radio Show. So, I'm so excited today to talk to Kimberly J. Ward. Kimberly and I met when she joined one of my book finishers boot camps, and she's an avid traveler. She has camped her way across the country, across the United States, and um, she has written over the years many, many pages of journals, and she never thought she would finish a book. However, she did. And I'm holding in my hot little hands. You can't see it, but I'm holding my hot little hands. The gorgeous crew of three, how bold dreams and detailed plans launched our family's sailing adventure. So it's out now. Um, you can find more about Kimberly at KimberlyJWardWriter.com. Um, so Kimberly, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me the story behind the book. Like how... What the heck happened to put the three of you, you and your husband and your daughter, on a boat for a very long time? What feels like a long time to me? It felt like a long time to me, too. Two years is a very long time to live on a boat. <laughs> it's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. So what happened? How did that happen? Well, my husband is a lifelong sailor, and I am a lifelong adventurer. And so when we met, mm -hmm. we did many, many of our adventures by boat, but we also uh, mm. went by RV, the camping, one of the camping trips, two of the camping trips across the country, uh, across the United States were by boat uh, or by RV. However, we knew wow. that we wanted to do a long sailing trip for our, an extended honeymoon. We had sailed up to Nova Scotia. So not far from you. And okay. we'd spent mm -hmm. six weeks on a boat. We loved it. And we knew we wanted to do some adventuring by boat and when our daughter was eight, we knew we had limited time that she still might really want to travel mm -hmm. with mom and dad um, before sports yeah. and all things mm -hmm. uh, teenage happened, started happening. So we started mm -hmm. planning mm -hmm. it and um, we opted to rent out our home. We decided on a two-year trip. So we traveled from Massachusetts on the eastern United States all the way down the East Coast to Florida, then hopped over to the Bahamas, and then island hopped our way down oh. the Eastern Caribbean. Wow, so fun. I'm so jealous. Every time I hear you tell a piece of this story, I get so jealous. So you're an oyster farmer. Were you, you weren't an oyster farmer then. Not at like, all. Because how do you leave no. the oysters? I <laughs> 
Well, you certainly wouldn't leave them for two full years. Uh, no, my right. husband and I met as technical consultants. We uh, we both okay. implemented Oracle systems, and so okay. very different career path. I had stayed right. home with my daughter when she was born. Two traveling consultants mm-hmm. don't work very well with parenthood in uh, oh, in our so world. True. And mm-hmm. so I stayed home with my daughter and my husband continued to do technical consulting. Uh, as we planned for the trip, we went back and, and uh, I took a, a full-time job in human resources, which was my specialty within the, the systems. Mm-hmm. And so when we left, our idea was to have a sabbatical cruise where we were not trying to connect with the world and we were not trying to work. So ours... Oh. Entailed two years of savings and uh, changing our ways and selling some of our other toys to enable us to to go for two years uh, without working. And so when we came back, my daughter was junior high. We had 10 years, give or take, between junior high, high school and college. And so my husband had planned on going back to technical consulting for 10 years after the very first week where he had to wear shoes and socks <laughs> and pants mm. and sit under fluorescent lights all day long. He came home yeah. and we went for a walk and he said, I don't know that I can do this for 10 more wow. years. Okay. And I, I got it. You know, we were used to living outside. And mm-hmm. so he's, I said, all right, what do you think you might like to do? And mm. um, he said, well, Apparently, he'd had a lot of time while traveling and alone to think about it because he had a ready answer. He said, I think I might like to try uh, my hand at some oyster farming. Uh, we have we have a little background as we live on the water. We have some very good friends and neighbors who have an oyster farm basically in our backyard. And so he said, mm-hmm. I thought I might offer up my services to to Bob, the oyster farmer for the fall and winter and see if it was something I might like. I said, okay, I think I'm going to write. And so I started writing and he started oyster farming. And I had always thought I had a book in me. I just didn't know what the subject Mm. was or the message Mm. or if if I would ever actually Mm. really do it. Cause a lot of us think we might have a book in us. And uh, so he started testing the waters of oyster farming. And, and I started writing in a, uh, uh, memoir course at mm. the local library. So great. Oh, love that. So tell me a little bit more about getting ready to do this because it's kind of, it's a big thing. Like I, I've put all of my stuff in storage and traveled around the world for a year. And so I know, <laughs> like I know, but I didn't have, I wasn't like my I wasn't in charge of my own means of conveyance through the world, you know, like the (laughs) feel, it feels to me like a boat is basically like bringing your house with you when you travel. So I don't know how, what, what is, tell me what the planning for that something that monumental is like. Well, it's interesting. Michael and I, my husband and I were both uh, project managers for an implementing Oracle systems. It is not dissimilar to project, planning a project to go live at a very large company. You have your resources, you have your pieces that need to get done and some need to get done first, you know, so you have your prerequisites that have to get Mm -hmm, done. mm -hmm. And then sometimes you need to get supplies together to get other parts Mm -hmm. done. Um, 
and it so it really resonated with both of us that this was a project. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, one of the things that kickstarted my writing again, thanks to you during our boot uh, book finishers boot camp, was your book is your project. Mm-hmm. And if we start to look at just about anything we want to do in life, it is nothing but a big project. Some mm-hmm. are bigger than others. Mm-hmm. You know, some are mag- ginormous, like mm-hmm. leaving your house and homeschooling your daughter for two years and mm-hmm. moving on to a boat, mm-hmm. you know, and same thing with the book. Some things are huge. Um, mm-hmm. Some things are little, like painting your bedroom. Right, right. You know, but yeah. it's a very same philosophy. And and it was that was a real, a real uh, mindset shift for me when you said that. But it's absolutely what we did to get onto the boat. Now, my husband mm. came into our partnership as a uh, he was we were quite late when we got married, but he was 43 and he had owned his own boats for nearly 20 years by then. Mm, OK, so he had kind of that uh, that theory of the. um Outliers, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The 10,000 mm-hmm. Hours of Mastery. He yeah. had taken classes. He'd taken every Coast Guard auxiliary class and every Power Squadron class that he could. Right. He had read all of, you know, there's some Bibles that, that live aboard sailboats of, mm-hmm. you know, diesel mechanics and electric. Mm, electricity mm-hmm. and you know there's some people mm-hmm. who have written and they're, and they're well known you know they're the experts in their fields and so he'd mm-hmm. read those things and he'd studied those things and he'd practiced those things so that part of it for me was not mm-hmm. not that I didn't you knew you were in it. I knew no, I was but you knew you were in safe hands, hands. Yeah. yes yeah and um he's I've, I've introduced him as um an expert sailor and then as a um equal parts electrician, plumber, handyman, mm. and mm. Uh, diesel Hard and skills. small engine mechanic. Yes. So he comes with those skills. So in the learning okay. phase, now there are an awful lot of people who do this who have to, have to also then learn those skills. However, mm. I come in with like massive organizational skills. And okay. so I started with the spreadsheets. We had to move out of our house Clearly not everything in, in a 2,000 mm-hmm. square foot plus house was going to go on to our 34 foot boat, which is roughly 300 square feet. Um, <laughs> and so I started the process of systemically going through the house and figuring out what needs to come, what doesn't need to come. We went through purging. I'm pretty sure my husband and daughter thought that if they weren't if they didn't stay out of the way, they might get put out for the uh, goodwill pickup and um, started purging <laughs> the house of things. And, you know, one of the nice things is when you live on a, in a very small space and anyone who lives in a tiny house or on an RV can tell you this, you find out how mm-hmm. little you actually need. And in mm, our true. world of excesses, it was quite liberating to figure out how little we needed. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. We had to figure out mail, yeah, how to first mm-hmm. I eliminated junk mail and then I had to figure out how to do everything online. Of course, it's very simple. These days, we all have our little smartphones that are a computer mm-hmm. at our hands. This was 10 years ago. 
and smartphones mm. were just in their early stages. In fact, I never <clears> had <throat> one until I came right, back right. in 2016. So, and we purposely turned off our cell phones when we left the country. Um, wow. We wanted to be wow. disconnected. So you have to, you know, we had to kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. And, and then homeschooling my daughter. There's, um, I just wanted to say, I wanted to ask about that. That feels like a lot because don't you have to follow a, a certain curriculum in order for her to stay up to date and be able to do her exams and all of that? Well, it's a surprisingly unregulated area of the mm. world. There's an awful lot okay. of information, but very little that says this is what your fifth grader should know, or this is what your sixth grader should know. And much of that is because you can't build a consensus on that. Certainly Mm. not in the United States. Um, Right. There's not an awful lot of agreement on what they should know. So our state level had some English, what did they have? They had English and language arts and mathematics. And I believe those were the only standards at the state level. So, okay. Kind of left to our own devices. Wow. So how did you handle that? Like, what do you do for, I don't know. I don't even know how much science happens in fifth grade anymore, but like, what do you do? (laughs) Well, do you like, you know, teach her how to fix an engine and. (laughs) Well, it's called a lot of it. uh, A lot of the people that we met out, there's an enormous community out there cruising, Mm. which is something Mm. that I had not really understood. Um, well, just to give you an example, once we got down to Grenada, which is where cruisers, most cruisers mm-hmm. will stay for hurricane season. It's if you ever look at oh. a, there's a little box, a hurricane mm-hmm. box, and where you see storms okay. have a pretty regular pattern. Sometimes they deviate, but it's a pretty regular pattern if you ever look at a hundred year hurricane history. And, um, so the very southern end of Grenada, which is below 12, degree, 12 degrees of latitude, is mm. where many boats will stay for hurricane season. So there are okay. a couple hundred boats wow. there. We had and a community of kids there. There were probably 30 of them in our anchorage, and there were two or three anchorages, probably 30 kids between the ages of, you know, five and six and 18. Fabulous. That must have been great. Mm, And now that's a very short period of the trip. It was only a three-month period of the trip, but you meet up with those people as you go along. Um, Mm. And I happened upon Mm, a book, a, a friend. I, I spent an entire chapter on the uh, the homeschooling or what we called boat mm-hmm. schooling. Um, right. <laughs> and I, I didn't even know what the word curriculum really meant. For, I was just looking for mm-hmm. what was it that she was supposed to be learning um, versus mm-hmm. what materials were we going to use to learn it. And I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't come mm-hmm. up with that. Well, there is actually um, a gentleman out there who's put together a, series of books. It's called uh, Core Curriculum. And it's basically okay. the basics. And it goes through okay. and they're, they're a series of books, one of and And so I picked up the one that was what should your fourth grader know? And I read through it. And I was like, okay, mm. is she learning that this year? Where is she this year in this? And so I picked up the fifth grader, sixth grader and seventh grader, because I didn't know how quickly we'd go. Mm. Um, and then from there, right. we actually 
math was the only one that we actually purchased a curriculum for. Um, and she was, my daughter was pretty advanced in math. So I, I knew I wanted mm. to encourage that. And that's a strong suit of mine. Mm. Um, so we did a, a, a bit more math than she might have done. Science, we really utilized what was around us. Um, we ended up crossing over the whales, um, the humpback I whales. I mean, it's the ultimate, yes. it's the ultimate biology Classroom. class, right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, oh. and then um, she had said when she found out we we're going to homeschool, she's like, can we build and explode volcanoes? And I thought, sure, why not? So that's what we did with that group of uh, 30 kids down in uh, Grenada mm. is, is one of the, um, we were at a marina and the marina had a restaurant and bar. And so here I had all the kids in the, the bar, um, paper macheing their, their uh, volcanoes and the, the, the marina was fabulous. They let the kids, you know, we had a shelf and they let them dry between uh, mm. paper macheing. And, and then one day we had the entire anchorage out there and, we exploded volcanoes. <laughs> nice <laughs> chemistry so experiment. And we had visited wow. Montserrat, which, okay. um, you know, the Jimmy Buffett song, mm-hmm. I don't know where mm-hmm. I'm going to go when the volcano blows. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, La Supre volcano in Montserrat. He used to have his oh, recording wow. studio okay. there. And uh, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, about... 25 years ago, that volcano blew and two thirds of the island is uninhabitable. It's called the exclusion zone. Mm. And we Mm. spent two days on Montserrat and we toured the exclusion zone. And then we took our boat around the whole south side of the island that's uninhabitable and looked at all the the ash. And, you know, it's like a modern day Pompeii. You could see the the very tippy top Mm -hmm. of a church steeple um, Mm. poking out from the ash. And that was all that was left of the entire southern part of it. So she'd learned about these volcanoes. We happened to go over an active volcano, Mm -hmm. an underwater volcano, um, as it had some activity. So we're, you know, learning all of these things on the road, and then they get to to blow blow the volcanoes. So we'd really tried to do it as very much of of what was around us. Mm, Wow, that is so lucky. Fabulous. Mm, I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. Wow. So, oh my goodness. So you, when you started all this, did you think you were going to write a book about it, Kimberly? Were you like, oh, I must take, you know, copious notes because later on I'll want to, I'll want to write a memoir about this. I had no idea I would write a book. However, I'm one of those, let's take copious notes about everything. Um, I have. <laughs> well, that's helpful. I have long journaled just about every day of, of my life, probably since I don't know, I could write, you know, first or second Mm. grade, I go back and I have journals and journals and diaries and diaries. Um, One of the things that we did was send postcards home to ourselves. So I had read this trick. I had read this trick from some travel writer when we took our daughter who was only three and drove cross country. I'm like, she's just not going to remember. We went to uh, uh, 32 states and uh, 17 national parks. And she's not going to remember any of this, but I am. How do I help her remember it? And so I bought Mm -hmm. postcards everywhere and I sent them from where we were. Kind of the, the beauty of a postcard is first it's short, but then it's also, takes Mm -hmm. you right back to the moment. It's like a journal entry. 
and it takes you right back to the mm. moment. So I sent those postcards home and we signed them, love us. Um, sometimes Allie wrote them. Most of the times <laughs> I wrote them, but oftentimes we were in places where there wasn't a little store to buy a postcard. And so we made them. We just, we had card stock mm. and we cut it down to a postcard size and we made our postcards. So it's kind of a, um, an old fashioned uh, scrapbook. I don't remember the last time I got a, a postcard, but it's a great idea. Well, it's I such was a kind good of idea. surprised. It's a fabulous mm. idea and I can take no credit for it because mm. I'm sure I copied it from mm. someone, but it was brilliant. Mm. And um, mm. we got home and I had over 300 postcards. <gasps> Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, and, and are they all from different places you'd visited over the two-year period? Absolutely. They they take wow. you on the journey to and from. And, and, and if, uh, if anybody is interested in seeing some of these postcards, I've just started to include them on my, uh, my website. I've just, just launched a book oh, as well as the book. So good. Okay. KimberlyJWardWriter.com is where we go for that. So I'm oh excited to see some of those. So right. let's talk a little bit about the process of the book. So going back, so you, you had all of this, you had a lot of material <laughs> and then you, you get back and you decide you're going to write this book. So what happened from there? Well, I happened to see in my little local uh, newspaper, my little community newspaper, that there was a memoir writing course at the library. And I thought, I okay, it. that's exactly what I need. And I signed up and I went to the first session. It was a five-week course. The first one was clearly an intro and what to expect. And then every week from there on, we had a prompt and we were to write from that prompt and expected mm -hmm. to read our writing. Mm. Well, I have oh, been wow. writing for years and years and years. And other than, than papers that I turned in to professors, I had never let anyone read my writings. <gasps> How did that I, feel? It felt like being on a stage stark mm. naked is how it <laughs> felt. <laughs> Mm, not the most comfortable. <laughs> However, after I got through the first one and then, you know, it's just, it's great community. Um, mm -hmm. I was probably the youngest by far by multiple decades in the course. Mm -hmm. There was one other gal my age and, but we had the most fascinating humans. And these were the folks, this was mm -hmm. back in 2016. And these were the mm -hmm. folks who lived through the great war. Mm. And it was wow. humbling to me. Mm. So it was a perfect mm -hmm. opportunity to both be vulnerable and then watch others be very vulnerable. And it was a nice community. And, and I know you've long mm. preached the writing community and it's, it's beyond so perfect. important. So, so I wrote important. And I love that you did that with your library. Mm. It was fabulous. I wish, I, I wonder if they still do it. If not, I would, I may actually mm. see if I can facilitate something like that because it's really important. That would be um, great. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up writing four essays based on these prompts. Okay. And in, interestingly, those essays are the basis for basically my first two chapters. Oh, fun. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So you, you did end up keeping some of that material. 
I kept uh, much of that material. Okay. Um, so you started yeah. the book in 2016. Sorry. I did. Nope. I t- started the book in 2016 and it was, that was so empowering and so encouraging that, that I could write these words, that these words were from mm-hmm. my heart and they were meaningful. Uh, two of us, uh, three of us, two others and I decided to keep meeting and we met about oh, every two or three weeks. And we called ourselves the granola heads um, because that was our snack mm-hmm. of choice. We had granola and coffee at our, mm-hmm. at our meetings and we'd each write something and share it. <laughs> and so this took us through November, which I decided to participate in uh, NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writers Month. And the premise oh. of NaNoWriMo. The premise of NaNoWriMo is that you write 50,000 words in 30 days. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this, but let's stretch our wings. I was shocked that when I got to the end of November, not only had I written 50,000 words, I had written 53,000 words and I wasn't done. And I was surprised. And, uh, (laughs) And I thought, okay, this this mm. has some basis for this. Some life took over. I had taken a job, um, reentry after not working for two years was, you know, left a little mm-hmm. sparse savings. And so I had taken a job. We wanted to get our, our, our financial situation back in a comfortable position. And so I had taken a job. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't doing much writing. Um, several months later, I started adding a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Um, 2018, we had some major life changes. My mother uh, ended up moving in with us and we had um, Mm. renovated the house and it was a major change. She moved across the country and and moved in with us. And so major change. And um, I really struggled to find that girl who had been so eager and willing to move on a boat. And uh, so I really struggled with mindset. And that's about where I was when I met you. So four years of, of caregiving for my mother, who is still alive and doing great and living on her own now. Four years of high school with my daughter in nice. the pandemic. And when I rolled out of all of that, and moved my mother into mm. an assisted living, graduated my daughter, got her off to university. Um, and be careful if you raise a traveler, she'll travel on you. And she's in university at, in Scotland, at University of Glasgow now. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Good for her. Yes. So I, I just wanted to say we are recording this while Kimberly is on her boat. So you're hearing <laughs> a little bit of um, the boat moving in the where they're anchored. And, um, and from time to time, there's a a little bit of a lag between us, but that's okay. We're doing it. She's on her boat. She's making it work. So, so then you and I met, was it in February of this year? Was it only February or was it last August? Nope. It was February. It was the end of February. And so you, you came in and you, I finished my, you did a lot of work this year. Published my book this year. Yes. I have a lot to be grateful for you. Okay. So tell me about the publishing process. I decided to go. Oh, that's sweet of you, Kimberly. But look, you did all the work. (laughs) I had to change my mindset and I really needed a coach to get me there. And and you were absolutely Mm. there. I started to look Mm. at my book as a project. Uh, how much was done, what mm-hmm. needed to be done. I had the resources. Um, 
also a number of the folks that I met in the writing community through your uh, boot camp. Um, I was reminded of the Pompadoro method and mm-hmm. I spent Pomodoros. Mm-hmm. Pomodoro. Thank you. Uh, I spent 30 minute chunks. And so I really finished this. I, I had to figure out where I was. Um, it was kind of a mess at that point, but I had never finished my rough draft. Kimberly, tell me about the publishing. Tell me a little bit about the publishing process. So you self-published this. It's it's a really gorgeous book. Like the cover is um, a nautical map, I think, and then photo on top. But the even like the quality is really good. Like, you know, you see quite a number of books that are kind of so-so. You know, when people go indie publishing, sometimes the quality isn't there. But this is really great quality. So tell me about the process, how you figured out the cover, and how you managed to get this all on your own, never having done it before. Um, I, I looked at, uh, one of your affirmations was I am growing as a writer. Um, and I have used that as in my morning mm-hmm. affirmations. I'm a Hal Elrod, uh, devotee. He has written the miracle morning and I start my day with silence, uh, silence and meditation, affirmations, visualizations, and, one of the things I said is I'm growing as a writer. There's an awful lot I don't know, but there's an awful lot I do know. I am an avid reader. And so I knew I knew what I wanted the book to feel like and look like in my hands. Um, Weight-wise, size-wise, um, heft-wise, you know, it's kind of like you have a, a book that you like. Mm-hmm. So I knew mm-hmm. what I liked. Um, and I've read an awful lot of, uh, you helped me to, uh, with my identity crisis of I am... Uh, it's a travel memoir. And um, I had no idea. I had an identity Mm. crisis. I didn't know if I was a how-to. I didn't know what I was. So travel memoir is what you helped me determine that I was. And and so I've I've read hundreds of them, thousands of them, maybe even. I've read a lot of biographies. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I knew what I wanted it to feel like. Um, And I stayed true to that. They uh, uh, So I hired an editor, a professional editor, who I learned about through Joanna Penn. I just started started taking the master classes that were mm-hmm. offered. If you're on Facebook, they pop up all the time. In fact, that's where I found you. And I mm-hmm. thought for this book mm-hmm. uh, book finishers boot camp, what do I have to lose? I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And so I started mm. listening to it and just started learning more and more about it. Um, so I knew I needed an editor and I knew that was the first step once I finished my uh, uh, rough draft and had gone through my own self-editing is I, I wanted a professional editor because I n- did not want it. You know, I wanted it to be as good, as, as, for you. good as it could be. So I found this gentleman and I went out and I read about him. And, and honestly, I fell in love with him because he said he was equal parts coach, editor, and psychologist. And I thought, oh, that's perfectly exactly what I need. And <laughs> right. he happened, and it's really what they are. <laughs> um, he happened mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. be taking his, his work through Reedsy. And I had never heard of Reedsy. So I went out and explored Reedsy. And as a self-publisher, mm-hmm. Reedsy um, is great. Reedsy is fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's so many resources out there, an awful lot of free resources out there for, for uh, writers who are mm-hmm. looking at going the indie route. Um, and so I hired Howard and I hired him to do all of the edits, starting with developmental all the way through proof. And I, I knew mm-hmm. I wanted 
one person I wanted someone who had done this memoir biography space before. And, and I wanted somebody who was a non-sailor mm-hmm. as well, because I didn't want any of this to be, um, you know, terminology that people didn't understand. Um, so mm-hmm. I hired Howard Lovey and I, his last name says it all. I absolutely loved him. He was gentle with me. He helped me to see, he cut out large swaths of things. He's like, nah, this is not the story. Um, so there were a lot of things mm. I, I just had to open myself up and surrender to his knowledge. And I did. And I'm very happy with the product. Wow. I also wow. knew, I also knew, and that's a hard part. I know an awful lot of people who are, who are afraid of the editing process. Uh, open yourself mm-hmm. up. That person is not there to mm. rip your work apart. They're there to help make mm-hmm. it the best you can do. And yeah, they're you know, a partner, have, aren't they? They're a they're a partner in the book. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Other than mm-hmm. my crew of three, he was the most important part of that book. You know, and and he's I I just I will use nice. him again. I will absolutely use him again. Mm-hmm. I loved him, and I will continue to to uh, follow his work. He is now getting ready to release his first book. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's kind of exciting. I also knew I didn't have the skills, the graphic skills to do the book cover. I didn't know those. I did not know formatting the book. And as an independent author, I could not ignore Amazon. So I really wanted Amazon skills. So I started looking at self-publishing coaching services that where that was a big part of what they did. And um, I came across selfpublishing.com and I had to, I wanted to make a decision quickly because I needed to have the skin in the game, which for me meant the money in the game to finish this and keep going and publish it. So I hired selfpublishing.com and they provide an awful lot of education. They also have coaches and they publish they absolutely publish books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hired them as well. And so for me, those were the skills I needed to know. They had the graphic designer portion of it. Now, I had the vision for my cover. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the chart, okay. you look right above the E on Crew of mm-hmm. Three, that's Matapoisa. That's my hometown. Yeah. So that is a chart of my home waters. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I love that. And I just, again, learned from them and kept learning and kept learning. And the the perfect Mm, part of that is that now I know those things. I know how to format. I know Mm, just using Canva that I can create a cover. If I have a good vision, that's a sellable vision. Um, Does it mean I may not hire Mm -hmm. Uh, graphic designers again, I probably will, but I can also just hire for fewer of the um, pieces next time. This will be a next time. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I am loving the process. Do I, you already have another book in mind, Kimberly? I have two in mind at the moment. Um, the second one is something to do with the postcards, which we signed love us. So I've already in my head, I have a working title of love us. Um, 
people, uh, any of the complaints I've heard about my book is we wanted more sailing because this was really the planning process. Uh, the first book, The Crew of Three, was the planning process. So people wanted more of the journey. Like, where did you go? What were the... Um, of course, people want to hear about all the dramatic mm-hmm. things. Were there pirates? Were you in hurricanes? Um, no and no. Um, <laughs> they're an awful. <laughs> we had some bad weather, but we just stayed put. We're pleasure right. cruisers. So, but people want to know where did you go? Mm-hmm. And and then how did your family live in a 34-foot boat for two years? And I get that. So those are the stories that I think are next. Um, I also I I also think there is a um a reentry book um, coming back to uh, normal life. I don't even know what normal is, but coming back to normal life after um, living on a sailboat, we came back to our house and our town and our school system and, you know, our friends and our family, but we were wholly changed people. So there is absolutely a reentry component to it. And um, the working title for that one is Shuckable. Mm-hmm based on our oyster farming mm, experience. Oh, and, um, okay. Mm. Yeah. How, like how we came back an awful lot of people would love to know Allie's, uh, how Allie came back um, and made it through junior high and high school and, and then on to college. But uh, that's her story. Mm-hmm. Not mine to tell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's important. That's really important for memoir, knowing which piece of a story is your story to tell you know, and staying focused on that. So absolutely. Wow. So there's, so there's more books in the works. I love this. So you've, you've really, you've you've really just taken on this identity of a working writer. You're a working writer now. This is what you do. You sail the world and you, and you write. And uh, (laughs) well, and that's the other thing is that my husband and I figured out with the oystering and the writing, we are, uh, this is our first year of, of implementing it. So we'll see, you know, when, when I plan, God laughs. Um, however, our current plan is to take mm-hmm. the boat to the Bahamas, January, February, March, and come back to Massachusetts, work the oysters uh, April through December, and repeat as long as it amuses us. Love that. Love it. Well, thanks so much for this, Kimberly. I, I'm really excited to hear where things went and how you approached everything to get this book out in the world. So it's called Crew of Three, How Bold Dreams and Detailed Plans Launched Our Family Sailing Adventure. And you can find more about Kimberly at KimberlyJWardWriter.com. And thanks so much for this conversation, Kimberly. I'm looking forward to seeing what you write next. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Rhonda. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today and for listening all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Resilient Writers Radio Show. While you're here, I would really appreciate it if you'd consider leaving a rating and review of the show. You can do that in whatever app you're using to listen to the show right now, and it just takes a few minutes. Your ratings and reviews tell the podcast algorithm gods that yes, this is a great show. Definitely recommend it to other writers. And that will help us reach new listeners who might need a boost in their writing lives today as well. So please take a moment and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. And I promise to read every single one. Thank you so much. Thank you.